Hey guys, welcome up, to y'all? another episode of the podcast Under Your Bed. Woo! Oh, we have such a cool one today. Um, this is our first pre-1980 film, and I'm so excited. How do you feel about covering a vintage classic? We gotta keep the throwbacks coming. You can't do film review without hitting what really started it all off, you know? Oh, I could not agree more. Yes, 100%. And we are kicking it off with a classic of the Universal Monsters. We are doing Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954. (laughs) Perfect score in the background. So (laughs) full disclosure, like, I think unless you're like, uh, quite familiar with the classics, the cast and some of their uh, accreditations might go a little over even my head, to be honest. I I won't lie about it. But kind of just to familiarize yourself with what we're covering today, um, Dr. David Reed is kind of our protagonist, and he's played by Richard Carlson, who is coming right off of It Came From Outer Space. The most, like, 50-sounding sci-fi movie you could get. Uh, We have... Kay Lawrence played by the absolutely stunning Julie Adams. Um, probably best known for some of her Westerns, some of her drama work, some Perry Mason episodes. Um, we've got Dr. Mark Williams, who was played by Richard Denning, who was in An Affair to Remember, the original Black Beauty. And again, we've got an excellent cast, but I think some of those credits might just kind of be a little bit I don't know. <laughs> They were great. It all came together. We're moving. It on. all came together. Um, and this is directed by Jack Arnold, who also was coming off a rouse of sci-fi films, including The Incredible Shrinking Man. It came from outer space, Tarantula. And he kind of had the same groups of like writers and producers, much as you would at MGM at that point in time. Mm. Perfect. Uh <laughs> What is this movie? What is this movie about? Yeah, so a very, 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 very brief description before CJ gives us the long run is that this film is essentially about a group of scientists who are looking to find a mysterious and unknowingly deadly creature in unexplored territory, the Black Lagoon. (laughs) That would have been perfect. Yeah. I like it. I I mean, what a fun movie you know as the like the throwback monster movies go this is a great place to start like i think my kids are squeamish with the scary movies i'm planning on throwing this one on for them to like dip their toes in the water pun intended i guess (laughs) uh uh, you know it's like kind of ease into the uh, horror genre right so i uh, love that i think that's awesome that's like honestly that was really kind of my foray into horror like as a kid was watching like a lot of these films from the 50s and 60s a lot of them being sci-fi a lot of them being kind of creature feature of the week type things and that really is what got me started so i think it's super important to like go back and revisit these movies yeah totally so like if you're familiar with like the original like king kong or you know the fly or, or movies along those lines you know uh this is definitely in that same vein and uh, you can have some fun watching this. Um, I, this isn't going to be for everybody. You're going to have to be like, you know, a film aficionado, like taking like film appreciation classes or something to like, <laughs> really uh, enjoy this. But it is a good, fun place to start with, uh, uh, y- you know, your kids or to uh, throw on for, you know, some background 
fun during a Halloween party or something, I think. So. Oh, actually, that is something I love to do is get yeah. my projector out. And I like putting on like Bride of Frankenstein or like something like this, just playing in the background. And it is just it's the shit, quite honestly. It's yeah, so much fun. Totally. So, I mean, some of the things that were definitely working in this movie, like. Oh, yeah. It's like almost like half the wa- the the movies underwater, which is like super impressive for the time. Um, so I think that is is really fun to watch and and learn from. And you know, there's it clearly inspired movies to come after it, uh, which is also kind of fun to see the ties from like this movie to to a modern movie. So, oh, absolutely, for you there, Taylor. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree. It's it really is actually pretty gorgeous for plot wise not having that much going on I think they really did have to make up for that with like some stunning camera work but like it really was revolutionary for the time it's still some of the underwater stuff still holds up extremely well and you can see like you mentioned you can see in new films where like that's absolutely been inspired by this no doubt Mm -hmm. I think that it actually for being like what could be considered kind of like a little campy, a little bit of a B movie. I think the cast actually does a much better job at acting than you typically get with something of this caliber. Like this isn't quite Bride of Frankenstein territory. We're not like up in that level, but like, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And the special effects in it were great. Again, Mm -hmm. for the time, you know, the, the, the monster suit was, you know, phenomenally made and oh yeah totally the special effects with fire and stuff were just super great uh so there are plenty of things to appreciate and take away from this movie what are your overall ratings oh yeah okay this one i feel like this one's a bit tougher uh to rate but let's just start with what we typically start with which is how scary it is how many monsters under mm, the bed yeah this is Out a hard four. or how many monsters i mean do we even rate zeros or do we just give people ones like um like look let's be honest it's not even back in the day i don't think this was terrifying children necessarily i mean some of the music beats and like when the creature is a bit more ambiguous i think that could kind of creep you out as a kid but like this is not jaws you know like i'm not afraid of the water because i saw this movie so i is I really like this movie, but I can't endorse it as scary. It has to be like a zero for me. How about for you? Yeah, I completely agree. Like at, at best, I'll, I'll give you like a one, right? It's yeah, like, right, right. You know, your, your kids might have some bad dreams. I don't know if their imagination runs away, but no, at no point was I afraid. I thought there were some good like little voyeuristic things going on where the monster was a little hidden at times and that, you know, uh, helped make it. Yeah possibly scary but you you see this like fun old hokey monster terrorizing people so it's uh it's not that scary overall (laughs) rating now this is tough because like do we do we wait it for the time the time that it was produced or uh for modern audiences let's give a modern audience yeah and okay like again it is it is tough because technically speaking, a lot was achieved in a big way. And again, it does rise above some of that B movie stuff that was coming out of the time with having a great cast, having a great eye behind the camera and a lot of the effects and stuff. So like a lot of that raises it for me, but like the story itself doesn't 
really get me anywhere very interesting. A lot of the interesting topics are kind of touched on, but they don't really dive into it. And so I think like, I I feel bad doing this, but I'm probably going to say like a two on this one, just because of the technical standpoint, the iconic status, it's just not blowing my mind. How about for you? Yeah, that's where I land is a two. Uh, Again, you know, the, this, the story like is clearly ripped from other monster movies of the time. It is yes. very little uh, unique qualities to it. The monster is very unique. The, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the effects are holding this together. The acting is holding it together. But um, two is where I landed as well. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this ends the spoiler-free portion of that's our it. episode, y'all. So stick around, and we got a drink for you. And mm-hmm. st- Spoiler content in our deep dive critique. Can't wait. Welcome to the podcast under your bed. There'll be drinks, critique, and perhaps a few murders. You're all invited, but once the podcast has begun, there's no way out. The ghosts are waiting. So won't you join me for the podcast under your bed? All right. Okay. So we are coming back at you with a really good cocktail, actually. So I'm aware location wise, this does not fit at all. But I think when I explain the drink, you guys are gonna be like, I can see color wise where you were coming from. So um, our drink today is actually called the Pearl Harbor. Um, I believe this was just a drink that was very popular in that area. Um, Obviously not the Amazon. I'm very aware I'm bad at geography, but not that bad. So <laughs> um, it's really good, though. So this is essentially delicious. I mean, so this good. is like tropical, fruity cocktail uh, sitting on the beach, feet in the sand. Uh, oh, yeah. That's that's where we're at here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Then that's why I'm drinking out of my Gilman Tiki mug today, because it does yeah. really have that vibe and, to and it. And let's be crazy, y'all. Garnish it up with your... Uh, your umbrella and cherry and uh pineapple. Oh, yeah, you went fancy. Yeah, it's this is classy, y'all. It's really just vodka and Midorius is what I use, but you could use any melon liqueur, I guess, and pineapple juice. Like that, it is a three ingredient drink. You can garnish it like CJ right. and make it super pretty, but it's an easy one and it's yummy. It is delicious. So, oh god, I didn't say where it's from. I'm sorry, guys. The website is literally liquor.com. So easy days also with that. There you go. So uh, cheers to y'all. Cheers, cheers to you guys. Guys. And cheers to the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes, to the Gilman. Mm. All right. Luckily, Take it away. we <laughs> one for us today in this uh, spoiler summary. So we begin the film with archaeologists Carl Maia and two local workers making the historic discovery of a mysterious webbed hen stuck in the bedrock. Dun, dun, dun. Hoping to find more fossils like this, Carl leaves to recruit former students and marine researchers David and Kay, uh, Matos and Thompson, and financial backer Mark and boat captain Lucas. Our A squad. There you go. The A-team while confronting <laughs> his team, Carl's crew at the campsite is attacked and killed by ancestors of the web hand creature, the Gill Man. Dun, dun. <laughs> the group returns to find the dead crew, uh, but chalk it up to a jungle animal attack. As After, you do. Yeah, what else would we <laughs> 
After eight days of not finding anything, the group opt to head to the unexplored Black Lagoon, hoping to find something of value. While the men folk are examining samples collected by David and Mark from the lagoon floor, uh, Kay decides to take a leisurely swim in the creepy AF lagoon, y'all. During this, the gill man spots her and swims beneath her, all seductively like. Mm-hmm. Before he gets a chance to grab her, though, she jumps on board the ship. After the boat is rocked, the group finds a claw stuck in their net and realizes the creature is alive and well in the lagoon. So Kay and David believe it should be left alone, but Mark, driven by fame and money, determined uh, and that they should try to capture it. And Mark and David encounter the creature while diving, and Mark manages to injure the Gilmad before it swims away. While discussing what to do, the gill man manages to attack and kill a boat worker. You know, it's always the crew that... I know, it's just not nice. Trying to make a living, man. They get paid the least. They don't get the fame and fortune. Anyways, despite (laughs) varying ideas of ethics and plans, the group eventually decides to try and drug the creature by putting uh, Rofinil? Rehypnol! They literally say Rehypnol. No, roofies that's roofies. yes yes Ooh, i didn't catch that and it's horrifying just they're gonna roofie the dude yeah. he had it coming. david realizes that if the creature's drugged that it might pass out on land and possibly suffocate because he's a gill man so he likes to uh go find it uh with mark and toe although drugged the gill man manages to evade the crew long enough to kill yet another another crew. one the shoreline poor bastard <laughs> he attempts to kidnap k but is finally overtaken uh, by the drug and passes out. While the Gilman is locked on board the ship, uh, the group decides to collect samples, leaving Kay and Dr. Thompson left to keep watch of the creature. The creature comes back awake and manages to escape while also severely injuring Dr. Thomas. His face gets <laughs> mangled. Despite Mark's objection, <laughs> the group decides this is the final straw and it's time to pack it in. Their return is quickly halted, though, when they come across a barrier that stops them from leaving the lagoon. My God, a tree! <laughs> How could you get around it? Imagine that. <laughs> David and Mark head into the water to remove the debris, but the creature returns and kills Mark! The group decides their only course of action is to drug the creature long enough to give them time to clear away the barrier. This plan works at first, but before they can go, the gill man kidnaps Kay and takes her back to his underground grotto. <laughs> is a grotto automatically underground? Maybe I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's what they called it. <laughs> and injures the creature severely enough that it retreats. They look on as the Gilman sinks to the bottom of the watery depths and its end. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. No, it's not. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon 2 leaking. There is. It's called Revenge of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> there literally is a sequel. Many spinoffs as well. <laughs> many, yeah. many monsters in different pairings throughout so taylor where did we begin what did we like what's going on here should we start with story 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 number one yeah i think that's a great place because it actually is to like uh one of the weaker points to me in this movie um 
And it's not like you can't have a movie where there isn't too much of a plot necessarily. Mm-hmm. But this just there's a lot of going back and forth. There's a lot of like, we're going to go down and collect samples. And you're wondering why are they going back and collecting samples? But that seems to happen a good two or three times kind of in a row as well. <laughs> so right. Sometimes where you're just like, could we not, though? Like, could we just stay on land and have a conversation? <laughs> Yeah, very, very like linear story, linearly told and no major uh, like surprises along the way, Uh, just tiny hurdles that they overcome and then another little hurdle they overcome. You know, the story is like clearly like ripped off of, you know, similar movies at the time like King Kong or it's like, oh, hugely monster that's got a crush on uh, uh, a, a woman and, you know, just these kind of scientist in some remote exotic location trying to survive. So yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting to be said about the story. No, I mean like when you just describe King Kong, it could be applied to like King Kong yeah. and this could, the way you just said, it, I'm like, that could be the movie. same movie. <laughs> yeah. From the black lagoon, stick it in some exotic Island. And now all of a, in the jungle and now all of a sudden it's King Kong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's little doubt that it definitely is not as efficient as the original King Kong is. That is iconic to like the nth degree, but I still feel like even though it's, it's again, I'd say definitely the weakest point or one of the weakest points about this, it's still fun. And I really do love a short runtime and it shows how much can be done in a short runtime versus like sure. what we see today with like two, two and a half hour movies. And you're like, doesn't always have to be that long to yeah. get to where we're going. Yes. I completely agree with that. Uh, you know, it, it like also on story, like ends like super abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Like, Oh, he's dead. Oh, okay. Credits. All right. We're not going to get any like celebration from the crew or any sort of follow up on, you know, their plans or anything. And, and- no. Yeah. It's kind of wild too, because that shot of her getting kidnapped is like, it's on every poster. It's on everything you see. It's probably one of the first images you think of when you think of creature from the black lagoon. And it's funny because that doesn't happen until there's like five minutes left of the movie. (laughs) Right. Especially a movie that like uh, advertised this like damsel in distress, like monster movie. It's a very little piece of the plot, you know? Uh, Oh, totally. Sure, there's those notes of like some sort of like fascination this creature has with the woman uh, earlier, like in the swimming scene. But um, yeah, you're right. Like he only captures her in the last five minutes, and it's and then it's like done. Yeah, there's uh, he like sets her on a rock and then gets shot. And yeah, (laughs) it's literally there's not a big build up to get to that point at all. Right. So you know, like talking about like heightened stakes, you know, it's. pretty minimal throughout the movie like sure there's this creature that's kind of lurking but they could just leave you know they don't have to go and try to capture this and and sure the the stakes get raised at the very end but it's immediately uh uh you know reduced when um they capture (laughs) oh no i totally agree and the fact that like you hit on in the spoiler section of being like the only people getting killed are our crew members up until like the very last, I think even Mark's death is like 
I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes towards the end or like 15 at max. So again, it, it isn't very suspenseful in that way because it's not a feeling of, oh, anyone could go so far. We've only just killed the red shirts, essentially, of the crew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, so you, you, you weren't too worried ever. Uh, oh, so there wasn't yeah. much fear. Um, but, you know, I thought uh, it's, with the story, there was a really interesting opening to this. And I, I wanted to go rewatch it and I need to again. But it, it was giving me like... 2001 space odyssey like vibes or if you recall the opening in the tree of life uh, oh yeah yeah it's kind of almost like abstract ethereal opening like you know yeah i guess you mentioned at one point kind of typical of some sci-fi movies of the day so i was curious your thoughts on it what well, that one's really interesting because it has that narration, which you would maybe expect in kind of like a hokey sci-fi 50s film, like the, here's the water. Now we're talking about other creatures in the water. And it's yeah. just very like, you know, whatever the voice is, I didn't do a great job, but whatever that, vo- that voice at the time. Uh, <laughs> like, um, but the thing that surprised me was, there is a blending in it of evolution and creationism, which I was just very surprised at because it's the 50s too. So I actually would expect it to go pretty right. heavy on the Jesus route versus, you know. Yeah, and, and that sort of gets played on throughout a tiny bit, like, um, you know, that sort of debate, uh, you know, of uh, evolution and, and whatnot. But um, so, I mean, there's there's some interesting themes kind of worked in throughout, but yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for like decent acting and, and fun effects, I, you know, the story just ain't going to hold you in it. <laughs> no, there's some good writing with the character dynamics, which we'll, I think we'll get into in a minute here when we actually start dissecting the characters. I think the writing is not necessarily bad in that, especially in that regard, because again, there's every character has a different dynamic and that's pretty interesting. I wish it was dived into a bit more than focusing on just all the underwater shots, but um, I think the story is more the larger issue than like the writing that went behind it. Yeah. So what else was bad before we get to the good? Oh yeah. That's a good way to go. Um, Okay, so bad. Let's think. Um, I, I think I the score was meh, mediocre. Yeah. You know? you know, I was really interested to read that there's essentially like a three team situation going on with that. Like the big, I believe, I hope I didn't butcher this. I believe the big keynotes uh, was like, one larger crew and then they did like the underwater stuff was like another crew and whatever and it does kind of feel like that at points because i don't think it always feels the most like doesn't always flow the best it's sort of like divide and conquer like different maybe sort of like build different feels in the music for different settings like underwater and up and the scary scenes and then i think so yeah yeah okay so i didn't know that's but you know still i i thought um uh, it was kind of kind of flat uh you know kind of they had a lot of the like punchy like violin stuff going on yes yeah the monster but um even even for like old orchestral score it didn't uh strike me as a, a very dynamic um it, it didn't uh, it just kind of like played throughout as some sort of like ambient track largely, you know. It's a little distracting at certain points, to be honest. Um, the big 
three notes when the creature comes, which we can touch on that later, that it is kind of interesting. It does have that Jaws type element to it where you then know that's the creature. But um, I found that, especially with the underwater scene where he's swimming beneath her to be more of a distraction than adding. Like, I actually think a different piece of music would really even more enhance how good that scene is. Right. I thought this scene was so interesting and so well made. Yes. Uh, The score did distract. You know, it was like they were like trying to ride the line of like trying to create some sort of like romantic feel at moments. The first time I listened, I heard like a shift in the soundtrack and in the score and was like, oh, wow, they really did kind of like go for this like romance like scene. But the second time viewing, I was like, no, it's kind of like still the monster music. And so I don't know if I just really wanted it to be that. That's Me that. too. No, I'm so with you on that because I think they want to sell that part of the story. That's a huge part of it. And I think the whole idea is that you are supposed to feel empathy and sympathy towards the creature. And so to have him then watching her and then have this like, bah, 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 it's like, no, yeah. you're, you're not selling what you're putting out there, you know? Yeah, it was kind of fighting itself at moments. Yeah, yeah. But the um, I really did like, I don't know if you felt the same way, but some of that, when they're on the boat and they're going down the river, some of that music, that was the stuff I was like, I wish there was there more of go. this. Man, I love some of those opening shots, just like getting to the site, getting to the location of the lagoon. Um, great score was, behind it. Yeah, it was great. You were just put into this exotic location. And it's pretty fascinating, like what you can accomplish on you know, basically like an L.A. studio back lot, yeah. <laughs> some underwater shots from Florida. Like it's pretty painted impressive. scenery. And yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're on like this, you know, stage of a boat and yeah, they got like a moving backdrop uh, that's I'm sure at times painted rear projected. Um, you know, there were definitely at times some like, uh, you know, some of the like sky replacement with like glass pain painted no effects um if you're familiar with any of those like i know it was popular in king kong and stuff uh so i do kind of love those i'm not gonna lie i i still it's a look quality to them that's so nostalgic and and is just uh typical of the like classic hollywood studio and i thought they just nailed some of those moments but it it was like then you get to like the lagoon and you're just kind of there in one setting it's pretty uh you're just kind of enclosed like ship some lagoon and there's some cool like uh cave stuff going on i thought the Mm. cave was pretty impressive that oh yeah i like the set design on that action now that you brought that up but then again that was just at the end for like two minutes yeah exactly so we weren't there very long but i guess what was impressive uh for sure was like the underwater scenes um that that's oh, really yeah. like what made this movie come to life and and captured my attention and interest. Uh, I don't know how they choreographed. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I know. Home camera back in the day underwater. Uh, it blows my mind. You know, I can just picture this like huge film camera in like some huge housing like levers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like a whole crew with like scuba gear hanging out under the water. It's uh impressive to say the least very very and like i think it's definitely some of the prettiest camera work is definitely those underwater shots and 
I do think, um, let me grab my paper so I don't get his name wrong because we, we've got the two creatures. There's the two, um, but the in the water creature is Rico Browning. And I will say like, they follow him so beautifully. He, the way he swims, the way he's down there and even Kay's like movements in the water, like they just track the two of them so beautifully that it makes yeah. every little tiny like it could be a doggy paddle and it looks great obviously that's not what they're putting out but i'm just saying they really killed it yeah the choreography was phenomenal um being able to like you know swim upside and beneath uh, in that in that kind of romantic scene and and for s- extended periods of time too like these oh, actors yeah. were diving deep and like really getting underwater oh oh dude he would Tanks, yeah like, waiting for them down there you know but he was underwater I, I think they if i'm remembering this correctly it was four minutes at a time because yeah. they didn't want to put anything under the suit to bulk it up or have air bubbles coming out the wrong spot so they're like best of luck buddy you gotta just hold your breath for four minutes and do the scene and then you can come on up i mean being able to swim in this suit nonetheless oh my like, god unreal like i you know like with almost no visibility with the little eyes and it's uh man they they found a very willing actor <laughs> yeah i think he was like a proper days. swimmer which obviously makes sense when you're when you're watching yeah. him but i also feel like the suit just moves differently in the water too where it feels like it lends itself where i get where they wanted to spend a lot of the time there i do understand that because it looks the best in my opinion in the water yeah completely agree uh I thought at times the suit felt a little too humanoid for me. Uh, I was hoping they could do other things and, and the movements, like when you're swimming like a person, it's, it's hard to um, like make it feel like this exotic monster as opposed to like a man in a suit. So to me, the movements, while he did a very good job of trying to like create these like, smooth aquatic amphibian type yeah movements he uh i i think they probably could have done a little bit better job on specifically like his like movement at times of of like avoiding just like a you know a forward breaststroke or whatever so um that's fair that's fair uh so you know i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh so I, I felt like that kind of hurt the like scariness of the monster, like making it feel too much like a person. But where like really got me is I thought seeing the gills move. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Super great effect. And, and the fight sequences underwater, I thought were phenomenal. The, the suit, I, it held up. I don't know how it held up in the water for so long. Mm. Getting, like, bashed around. And then when like, when he started like swimming through seaweed and rolling in the in the mud, that's when it got obscured. And then it really felt like this was like an amphibious creature that's very comfortable in this like murky environment. And that's when it sold for me. Oh, I totally, totally feel the same way. Um, it definitely loses a little luster on land, which is it's just the whole suit because we're just kind of on the topic so we might we might as well just go that road for a minute but the whole suit is very interesting to me and i have a lot of feelings about it because on the one hand 
it has such an iconic status it, like that face the big painted lips the the eyes and everything that i almost don't judge it as harshly because i'm so used to like seeing it in my mind especially with the universal monsters in tow like the whole lineup he's always the gilman is always in that lineup of the top tier movie monsters but mm. it does look a bit clunky on land what what did you think yeah agreed and i mean i think you definitely see that when he's like walking through the cave carrying uh you know julie adams and uh you know they they even mentioned um that he was like knocking her head into the wall (laughs) but that being said like cave scene that i that he's like walking through the little corridor like he's having to shuffle sideways because they (laughs) made it like two feet wide like he can barely fit through there let alone carry a person anybody's gonna get knocked like that so i thought it was hysterical that they were like giving him shit about that but um yeah so you know i mean he, he was still able to move and like function mm-hmm. the monster on land which and in the water is very impressive i you know one thing that i thought was kind of funny is uh why for like the first half of the film were his eyes just like black sunken holes and then the second half all of a sudden he has eyes <laughs> why i don't i feel like they tried i feel i feel like they tried with the first half to kind of hide him in shadow so that was gonna be like this sure. big reveal but then the ironic part of that is they which again, this is kind of a whole nother conversation, but this is actually pretty late in the game for like universal monsters. Like, I think I wrote this down yeah. because I actually was shocked when I read this, this is number 66 of the original 77 and which is yeah. crazy, but to like get audiences of the day prepared for like a Dracula or a Frankenstein, like a whole new monster, they were putting out all this promotional material. So like, there were stills being put out, posters being put out. So it's yeah. just so funny that they're like, oh, we're going to hide it in this. It's going to be a real surprise. It's like, well, every everyone's already seen it already. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, that goes to show you like that this movie, it really was just riding the wave of monster movies and yeah. trying to like rake in what they could. Uh, and, and that also is, you know, why they chose to go for this like 3d movie i think it would have been oh my god yeah watch this in 3d unfortunately i didn't have the opportunity but no i imagine the underwater scenes would have been super fun fascinating but of course um i know uh it it just barely caught the tail end of that fad of, of 3d movies at the time and you know was kind of one of the last movies before that kind of transi- transitioned out and you know pop culture of the time so yeah you're totally right which then actually makes its place in that whole universe very interesting that it really necessarily it wasn't necessarily doing anything super original it was like you said writing the last bit of the 3d fad but somehow this image and even just the poster or the image of him carrying cake that is so prevalent still it is wild in a way just because the monster itself is so unique right yes yes like land monsters kind of things that are a little more uh tangible like like wolves right like a werewolf and uh things like that Uh, you know giant ape like things that we're familiar with where something unique and abstract like this uh kind of captures the imagination oh totally you're right too because uh theoretically i mean we know like the least about the water and they do touch on that which is very accurate so 
in a way it does actually have almost a more realism than probably any other monster that's been put out to a to a degree yeah like i could totally see this as a real sea creature (laughs) (laughs) probably not looking as nice you know know, i it's something that i thought was funny too is um uh, trip to the moon that like classic like one of the first movies ever made if if you've seen like you know if you remember it's got like the the pie face moon yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the opening scene with the uh kind of amphibious creatures were totally reminding me of the aliens from a trip uh a trip to the moon and and this creature like feels like it came right out of that movie to me like one of these green aliens that are running around on stage so (laughs) i I wonder if some inspiration was drawn from that i wouldn't be surprised no totally and it's obviously in you know inspired what we think of as like this hybrid obviously if you watch shape or water the whole movie is clearly very much based in this story just kind of an extension of it in a different perspective of being like hey, what if the monster really did get the girl kind of a thing instead, you know, which I I really love because um, I love that Guillermo del Toro said that because watching it, you really are kind of like, you're you're kind of ruined for him to an extent. Like, again, if they had kind of done a better job with the music and setting that up, I think you would really be on his side, you know? Right. I mean, here's these scientists coming into his home. Yes. Trying to shoot him. Right. So you do kind of feel empathetic towards the creature. Yeah, yeah. Before before he gets killed. So, (laughs) Oh my God. Well, yeah. And then he's right back for the sequel. So I guess it worked out for him just fine. Um, Before before we move off the creature to the other ones, I do think it's kind of fun to mention the fact that like this creature is the work of a lot of different people. There's no doubt, but a huge contributor um, was Millicent Patrick. And she was like one of the first female animators at Disney, which already is like probably the most badass thing ever. And then she makes this amazing design. And then you get, and I'm not saying that Bud Westmore didn't do work, but he really overshadowed, like shadowed everyone on the team and was like, this is me. This is my work. And you're like, okay, bud. That is pretty, uh, leaves you a sour taste in your mouth. I I don't know the details around it, but, um, that's some he's a dude in the 50s is there any more details you need (laughs) that's what it is (laughs) that's a shame but uh you know history remembers and uh here you heard it from us that's Uh, it that's exactly it you know let's also not forget that this suit was uh torched they put the suit on fire at one point now I wonder if it's a an, an alternate suit that they lit on fire. I got to. Oh my god! I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even think about it to be honest. I mean, we talk about going through the ringer, like underwater, getting beat up, got to function on land, and got to get burned. So there's got to be more than one suit, I imagine. And um, I mean, just total props to the prop department. So a hundred percent that, uh, that fire stunt too is pretty epic. Like there is zero doubt that there is a real person in, in there tra- oh, in, when I, they're set on fire. <laughs> it now, looked great. I, I slowed it down, checked it out. I want to say it's, it's two shots. And I think the first shot is a rotoscope effect where they smashed a lantern onto something. And then basically mm. like, you know, photoshopped it out and slapped it on top of the the uh film of the actor for for the first like smash over the headshot but it it was 
it worked so well. The effect worked so great. And then it the looks great. Shot, though was totally practical. I I believe uh, has to be has where to be. he set on fire and then just dives underwater. I mean that is awesome. I thought it, it looks so well. good. Yeah, it totally <laughs> worked. Um, I mean other effects. Uh, you know I thought um there there wasn't too much else going on. I guess there was uh you know some like underwater like gun action and and whatever that like chemical they're the the roofies the roofies that's what it was oh, when, they, when they said when the guy's like because however he said it it didn't quite sound like rahipno like how <laughs> you would like anytime anyone said it it was like kind of like uh how do i say it, it was like shortened in a way where i was like wait what they just say and by the third oh, time i was like they are saying oh, rahipnol that's what they're saying <laughs> Yeah, we're just gonna try to day rape this um sea monster. Yeah, and... just drug the fish in the water. Like, what could what could go wrong? <laughs> um, you know, so the so there weren't like too many crazy effects happening, but you know, one moment I did think was a little scary or early on was like the first death we see on screen. Oh yeah, where it had these like straight like Jurassic Park vibes of you know the Velociraptors eating the cow when you first meet the Velociraptors where. You don't see the monster. You don't see the death. You just see uh, in the Black Lagoon, you see the tent just like violently shaking and you hear some screams, right? And it is a straight up dinosaur noise. You're exactly right for yeah, saying and, that. And, and total like same effect that's used throughout the history of film where you just see some like violent shaking in Jurassic Park. Of course, it was when like the cow like chains are like shaking around. It's oh getting ripped God, apart. God, iconic. Yeah. And then it's like revealed all the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I thought that was one of the best uh, like scenes in terms of like scariness, not revealing the monster too early. I was pretty disappointed about how much of the monster you saw so early on in the movie. Um, that definitely would have been a way to to heighten the suspense, to heighten the fear of of this movie. But oh, but, I totally agree. You know, it's. It's in, it's a movie from the 50s. We can't be too harsh on it. <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting because because it's a movie from the 50s, the use of shadows and lighting is so critical and it is so well done in so many different movies. Uh, Cat People is one of my favorite examples of that, of the use of shadows and adding building that tension up, especially when, I don't know if anyone's familiar, but when she's like walking from the, I can't remember if she's on a trolley or whatever, but she's hearing the cat noises behind her and it's all just shadows. And that's the kind of thing though, I wish we had seen a little bit more of it. It's the same with you saying, I, you know, I wish it wasn't revealed so early because you get such an advantage with it being black and white and it looks yeah. good when we see those shadows of him in the tent and stuff. It's gorgeous where I'm like, please do more of that. But it's already, it's a really only in that scene. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, with the lighting, uh, the only like observation I had, you know, it was all like pretty clean, like seemed like three point lighting yeah. around the boat and stuff. And then um, in the caves, I was kind of cringing because everybody <laughs> wants to bounce light off the water and see like shimmering ripples on the the cave walls and it's just like just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to do it granted you know this was an early film so maybe one of the first <laughs> films to do this but uh i hate them for le- making it okay for every other filmmaker <laughs> so 
I totally. Why? Why? Again, here it is. Again. Please stop thinking me, people. <laughs> I feel you so hard on that one. It's, yeah, when it's, I mean, it really is gorgeous. I think we we said it towards the beginning, but the, the underwater shots and the way that's all lit and all filmed and it's pretty spectacular. That's where really the money shots are. And unfortunately, yeah. as you noted, we're not getting that in many other places, unfortunately. No. Uh, while we were at the deaths, do you have... Do we even talk about best deaths? Oh my god, how <laughs> can you like new deaths in the beginning that you don't even I'm... like I don't even know who I think died. those are my favorite even... though. I hate saying that, but I think those are actually my favorite just because I think they're the most artistic. And it, I don't okay, really I'm gonna walk back on this a little bit because I do obviously I love seeing a gratuitous, gory AF death. Like I love that, but I can also appreciate an off-screen death if it is done well. If there's great lighting, if there's great suspense, great music, like I can be okay with that. It's not my preferred. I am a bit of a gorehound in that respect, but I can be okay with that. This was cool. I wish we had more of it. I think it really was going somewhere and they just kind of abandoned that ship like pretty quickly. So I don't know, for me, that's going to score style points. So how about for you for best? I completely agree. Uh, All the other deaths were, you know, a little kind of campy hokey and, and that one was, was definitely a good one. Uh, You know, if, if you count the creature as dying in this film, I thought that was actually pretty great. Uh, Just like, floating to the abyss um with the sand kind of coming up above and yeah, so, yeah. drifting around uh, like kind of dust in the wind almost um so so it was like cinematic c- c- i can never cinematically oh uh, yeah maybe you know, <laughs> it was beautiful i thought it looked really nice some some light like rays kind of floating through the water too and um but yeah the first day i thought i was like whoa i might be in for a good movie and uh you know and then the rest was gonna flat so no i think um i think they did intend for many of them to be different but just logistically speaking they were like one was gonna be like a crew member gets like thrown into the camera and it was really gonna write on that 3d effect but they just could not make it work but the the guy could not see like the way it was being filmed it just like wasn't working so obviously it is a product of its time in that respect when it comes to like a best death let's say sure for sure so yeah. i was curious your thoughts on our damsel in distress oh it's just exactly where i wanted to go with this next you read my <laughs> mind um i i love her like i i okay so first off um it's uh julie adams yeah so mm-hmm. she she is stunning i i don't think there's any i don't think anybody would disagree with that she's absolutely gorgeous She's absolutely dressed to the nines in this whole thing. I was obsessed with pretty much every outfit she was wearing, like and that 50s, 60s fashion. I'm very like very into every day on that boat and put herself together. (laughs) She did. And I would not. You would see a messy bun and some joggers. So I was very impressed. She managed that on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Good. While being attacked (laughs) by a violent creature. Right. But so aside from just being very stunning dressed beautifully and i do want to hit on the costume specifically because this was an interesting thing to me she's in pants or shorts most of the time i think there's like a scene where she has like a dress on but other than that she's actually in pants most of the time which i thought was so cool to see in a 50s film 
Yeah, yeah. So it's fifties, but like you were saying, there are sort of these moments of like empowerment for a woman. Um, yeah, you know, she is one of the scientists. She is putting her opinion out there. I think that's uh, you know, stronger early on in the movie. Later, she gets a little shoved aside for for the men's opinions on how uh-huh. to create a monster. <laughs> yeah. So, and she probably was one of the only logical ones in those moments. But um, so, I mean, if, any further thoughts on that? Like, Well, it is like, yeah, like you said, there's that weird blend. But it was like even really early on, she's the one driving the boat back while the guys are like talking. And I just thought right. those little moments are pretty like pretty nuanced for a 50s film. I think you're typically seeing a man in control. And like you've said, through the whole movie, she's expressing her opinion. There's never a time she's like, oh, David, you're right. I just won't think that anymore. It's not like that. And actually, their dynamic is very, like, um, respectful and very, it seems like a 50-50 partnership versus, like, David's the guy in charge. Yeah, she's falling for this guy and can't get married or not. Um, I thought it was... uh, I mean, you have to have it in in this movie, but um, the like classic like get capture moment where she like fumbles around the tree and just like ah! <laughs> like the scream. <laughs> no, first of all, the scream is fantastic. It is. It really is. It's just brilliant. It's beautiful. Um, campy as all hell, but uh, I, it's it's like so necessary in this movie that I'll allow it all. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I think she, it's just, her character is just interesting to me because uh, as I was telling you earlier, I think we all remember kind of the poster or the image of her getting carried away as like the big thing. So I actually, I think most people in their head think she's very much just the damsel, like a Mina Harker in Dracula type thing where they're, they're not really fighting back. There's not a lot of oomph to them, but she really does. And she, she really calms the group down when she's like, okay, well, this is why, you know, this character's being a dick or we need to do this because of this reason. Like she really is a voice of reason. She does assert herself. I do think she should rank a little bit higher actually on like female protagonists of like horror films. I think she kind of gets swept aside because of the more damsley stuff, like you mentioned at the end, but I do think she's a badass and she should get a little more credit. Yeah. Loved it. Um, I, I love this, like, this this cast was really fun um oh yeah I they're thought, all great uh like one of my favorites is the captain this like yeah, captain, Lucas. captain like just kind of like gruff like kind of like Arr. like like he had to have like that that mickey mouse steamboat willie he had to be either inspired <laughs> i don't know which one came first was inspired from him or or vice versa but uh i i, I loved his character uh and like even though he's this like gruff tough guy at the end he's still like no, let's get the hell out of here, man. Totally. I think that's where he subverts that stereotype yeah, that, that we good. see yeah. today. The captain is usually like either an idiot or just really greedy or whatever. And this guy was like, hey, my crew's getting murdered. I don't love this. So like, screw you, rich dude. I am not doing what you say. Like, we're getting out of here. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. and So good. And, and seeing the whole crew on the lagoon, especially like moments like, going like boating up the the like canals or whatever uh i was getting straight anaconda vibes (laughs) (laughs) it was perfect i was like there's zero doubt in my mind this film inspired the entire movie anaconda (laughs) i a hundred percent agree with you which is like 
The funny thing is, is obviously they had what you would consider a quote unquote, like all-star cast for Anaconda. But actually somehow I would say, I don't think they really perfected this story in any which way or did any better of a job they than this day. upon it very well. <laughs> no. Huh? Yeah, you're probably, okay, so because I saw the movie Anaconda, um, when Dr. Thompson, uh, you know, gets like bedridden because his face was fried, I, um, I sort of expected him to come back and have some sort of role in either killing or mm. capturing the creature, right? But once he like gets fried to a crisp he's just out of the picture so you know again, like, <laughs> back to like a dynamic story it's just flat like all right character gets knocked off they're dead you know the character gets fried he's just laying in bed the rest of the time though i could never really figure out his injuries to be honest because it's like it looked like the creature was like choking him and all of a sudden his whole face was bandaged and i was like now we have the invisible man on board like i don't know what's going on <laughs> like i thought i was like a little confused about logistically what happened but yeah i'm I'm with you though. I have to say, if we're if we're being more realistic, if you were like mutilated by a monster, the likelihood of you coming back for an epic showdown is pretty like slim to none. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll fair. give them I'll give them that much. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> so, given all that, what are your thoughts on where this film, you know, lands in the the annals of history? Yeah. Um, you know, there's no doubt. It definitely has that camp vibe. It definitely has that B creature feature film of the week vibe to it. It does, but it does somehow really rise above it. And like I, I've said it a few times now, but it's just something that really, <laughs> it just sticks in my head is the fact that it's really late in the game. It isn't that like great of a story or that innovative of a story, but somehow this face and the movie poster and the picture of him and Kay and all that stuff, it's so relevant still today. And it's something that is still in everyone's mind. So to me, it really is amazing that you could put out this movie that maybe is like, just kind of like a B film, but you somehow got past it. And I think a good chunk of that is down to very good acting from everybody. I know we didn't really touch on the guys as much, but they do deliver good performances. They do have interesting characters. And I think the biggest part is the creature and the creature design. I think it is quite amazing in a way. Yeah, those are definitely reasons, right? Uh, beautiful cast and beautiful effects in in the creature suit and um, and you know good uh, advertising marketing and and it's just like oh my god, yeah, really yeah. you as like this like uh, classic film that uh, holds holds I don't know withstood the test of time in some ways in terms of relevancy. I mean, the fact it's like on a coaster I have and that they've made a tiki mug of it. So like something to me in that universal movie monster, you know, and I am actually just generally curious if um, you had to pick just kind of an off the cuff question. But if you had to pick your favorite, like one or two universal movie monsters, not necessarily because of how great the movie is, but just of like iconic status design, whatever, what would be your like top couple? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, like, take it out of the context of the movie, but... I know. <laughs> I mean, to me, uh, it's kind of a nostalgic thing for me is is um, King Kong because... Oh, the, yeah, okay. I just loved the claymation. Um, I thought it was an effect that, you know, for one, was just, like, kind of revolutionary and and has 
like the monster itself having shaped so much of of films to come behind it um including this one. one yeah that's that's the one to me that like i've you know fallen in love with but uh your thoughts oh my my favorite is probably well i i like okay outside of the movies obviously we're talking outside the movies um frankenstein's monster is always i think gonna be it for me and like but actually if i'm just going like aesthetics i think the creature is actually kind of top tier for me just aesthetically speaking like the products i get like are the things i see like there's just such a it's just so iconic like stick some movie posters up in your you know your office yeah your your home like living room or something whatever No, the one behind you especially like i love that poster just it's too classic to pass up on it's it's uh it's a staple of an era so it is it is all right what are your what are your last last um i know i talked to universal but what's your your last like watch it don't watch it last wrap up feelings about the movie yeah i think it's it's don't bother watching it unless you are interested in like reviewing old film to uh understand and appreciate um elements of what makes a movie good or bad you know um i would say watch this to see how um underwater (laughs) uh effects can be totally agree and can and can uh be used effectively and how you know um monsters can be scary but lose some of that scare factor when um presented the wrong way or or revealed at the wrong time so you know it's, to me this is more of like a sit back and analyze it you're probably not going to find many friends to sit down and watch this with you uh but definitely throw it on in the background at a halloween party i think that's pretty fair i think um like I am a part of a classic movie group and this would totally be something we could watch together and have like have some banter watching, but also yeah. really get to enjoy like the again, the the costumes, the acting, like the higher points of the cinematography and the editing, like getting to enjoy those parts, but also being able to kind of make fun of it, at, like the more hokey aspects of it. I will say, like, I think you are as a horror fan missing out big time. If you don't go back and watch things like Dracula, watch cat people, watch Frankenstein's monster uh, or watch, um, that's not the movie. <laughs> just watch the movie Frankenstein. That's not, it's not called Frankenstein's monster. Um, I feel like you really are missing out on your, on your horror education. If you don't give these movies a go, but I also feel like you can't, you have to be open-minded. You have to let go of some of the hokiness. If you're just going to sit there and like shit all over it, it, I would also feel like, yeah, don't bother watching it. Then there's no point. But I do feel like there's a lot of cinematic value in this movie. And there's a lot of problems. There's no doubt. But I still feel like it's worth a watch. Completely agree. So thanks, everyone, for coming in. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Uh, We love you all. Please uh, tell your friends about us. We're just getting going. We got so much more in store from you. Uh, for, for you and um, you know all, the best thing you can do for us is share and like and comment we subscribe want to watch, you know <laughs> tell us what we should review we've already yes. got a couple requests and uh, 
those movies are in the queue and they'll be coming out in the, within a few weeks. So yeah. And please, um, we're happy to take messages over like our Instagram or our Gmail. You'll find us under pod under your bed, under any of those pod under your bed at gmail.com is a great place to send us emails for requests. But again, through our social medias, we check those too. So let us know what you guys want. We, we want to, we want to do it up and yeah, we're excited about some of the ones in the queue. It's going to be really good. All right. Thanks, y'all. See you next time. Thank you, guys. See you next time.